1: Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 14th, and last night Atlanta United went on the road and played Cincinnati to a 2-2 draw at beautiful TQL Stadium. If you haven't been, you should go. It's a, it's a fantastic venue. I was really excited to see it. I was told it was going to be gorgeous, and uh, Johannes Schneider was 100% correct. It is a fantastic, fantastic building for soccer. The crowd was great. And the game, of course, had a lot of excitement. Let's go through some of that really quickly before you get to hear from Gonzalo Pineda, from Andrew Gutman, who scored the game tying goal to earn a positive result for the team for the second consecutive week, and Brooks Lennon. And then I'll answer a few of your questions. Nobody participated in our cool little voicemail thing that we were promoting. We'll try to keep that going you know, once things become habit, it becomes easier. So we'll we'll keep trying, and we'll see what happens. And if y'all decide you don't want to use it, well, then just poo. That's all I can say. Just poo. All right. So Atlanta United opened the scoring on a fantastic goal by Thiago Almada in the 17th minute. And then some of the issues that Atlanta United's defense has had resurrected themselves. The first, a goal by Brandon Vasquez. The sequence started with a turnover by Juanjo Parata trying to pass a, across the box. A short pass, but not hit heavy enough. To Gutman, it was intercepted. Vasquez was played in. Easy, easy goal for him. And then in the 41st minute, a corner kick that Atlanta United didn't clear and got a little unlucky on. It was a header by Brenner. Juanjo Parata was at the post. The ball took a funny bounce when it hit the turf and went off his chest and into the goal. Kind of felt bad for him on that one because he was positioned correctly. He was trying to do the right things, but the angle of his body and the balance of the ball, into the goal. And that seemed to affect Atlanta United's confidence, I think, which has been a problem for this team also all season. The offense disappeared for a long, long time at the beginning of the second half. Didn't put a shot on goal until it was either the 67th or 69th minute, and that was by Moreno. But then Andrew Gutman stepped forward in the 83rd minute, played in by Joseph Martinez with a delicate right-footed chip, his weaker foot, to tie the game. 2-2, split the points. It also happened to be the 20,000th goal scored in MLS history, going back to the league's inception in 1996. The first, of course, was scored by a friend of mine, Eric Winalda, who has ties to another Atlanta soccer team, the, the former Silverbacks, and a guy who I always enjoy talking with. He scored the very first goal, if you didn't know that. It's in my story that I posted earlier today on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Atlanta had 60.8% of the possession, 19 shots, 6 on goal to Cincinnati 16 and 8. Atlanta United outpassed them, outcrossed them, outdoored them, out-tackled them, outsaved them, but didn't out foul them. The expected goals. Finished with Cincinnati at 1.9 to Atlanta at 1.3. So there's the relevant stats. Now here's the importance of the results of last night. There are no more Eastern Conference games today. They're all Western Conference games. But with the draw, Atlanta United fell further down the table. It dropped from 12th to 13th. It is now four points out of the last playoff spot, which is the seventh spot in the East. There are now... Five teams in between it and Miami, which rallied to beat NYCFC yesterday. And five of its remaining 10 games come against playoff teams. And it has beaten just one and has a draw against another, I think, this season. So it is going to be a tough, tough road for this team to make the playoffs for the fifth time in six seasons. They have a plan, win their home games, which start on Wednesday against Red Bulls at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and continues with trying to earn at least draws with their road games, which continues next Sunday at Columbus. Another one of the remaining three MLS stadiums that I have not been fortunate enough to visit and I'm looking forward to seeing. I've heard it's also a beautiful edifice. So let's get into the audio. Uh, I asked Gonzalo Pineda if this was a good point or a bad one considering the team started with a lead
2: it's hard to say if it is a good or a bad point I think it's a point that uh, still give us a little bit of a, of a momentum the last six games only one loss like uh, you know winning at home not losing away I mean it's kind of a formula that that might work at the end but we will never know until the end I think the standings are so tight now and uh, we still have one game in hand but still you can see the distances are very very short so at the end we will see if this point was the difference or not I, f- I just feel like uh, we could have won this one mm-hmm. I feel like still a little bit disappointed that we couldn't win this one because I felt we we, we played good but uh, credit to to Cincinnati they they were very sharp on on, on, on certain moments uh, in transition, especially and set pieces. And well, this is, this is MLS and this is how it goes.
1: I followed that up by asking him if Cincinnati's goals, because this has been a, an unfortunate trend for the team this year, were concerning or reassuring because they haven't had those issues in the past few games.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's concerning because it costs us, right. Right. Uh, uh, Two more points. But uh, anyways, we will continue. I think like just, just not losing and the and the grind that the team showed at the end, trying to win. Even in the last play, we tried to win. That's the desire I won for my team. And uh, I, I felt that today we did a very good job in many, many aspects, but we couldn't reward ourselves with three points.
1: I thought there were several outstanding performances for Atlanta United in this game. I thought Moreno had a great first half. I thought Rocco Rios-Nova was fantastic all game. You're starting to see why he is starting in goal and instead of uh, Godinho. He made at least two, just or three, I'm sorry, diving saves, including one in the final seconds from like a six-yard shot in which he got down to his left and pushed it off the post. And then I think McFadden cleared it. And I, I thought Almada was used a bit differently than in past games. I thought he was dropping a little bit deeper. Pineda disagreed with me. And here's his answer about how Almada was used.
2: Well, no, actually, the first half, he was playing more uh, as an attacking midfielder uh, next to Marcelino. But he's so good to identify the spaces and the gaps. So when they try to put pressure on us, he was always able to find the gaps. But naturally, he does that. It wasn't a proper instruction. But after that, he was he led us in penalty entries today. So, mm-hmm. so I don't feel like he was particularly deep. Then, yes, at the end, when we changed kind of a 4 for 2 with Dom and and, and Joe, obviously, it was Santi and him as center mid. But obviously, he was more advanced. But I feel like he just identifies the space in those areas, and he just attacks it. And he was very good. I agree
1: with you. And then Pineda kind of brought back the – a version of the formation that he used in the second half against Seattle with dual attacking midfielders and Moreno and Almada with one defensive midfielder, Santiago Sosa, uh, in this case, three center backs, uh, Gutman as a left center back, but he was really kind of moving up and down the field. If Cincinnati gave him the space, which was making Cincinnati's players have to make decisions, which is what you always want, uh, when you have the ball. So I asked, but Pineda doesn't like to talk about formations a lot. he, prefers to talk about the tactics but I did ask him how the formation worked tonight in his opinion
2: again and it's, it's not like I don't like <laughs> to talk about the formation it's just I see football at times in in just uh, structures right so in different phases of the game we have different structures so in the first half we were with the back three in the build-up against their two nines and then Santi was against Acosta but then we tried to put Ronald Hernandez a little bit inside and I felt that that box in the middle diamond box with Santi, Ronald, Marcelino, and Thiago was working very well in the the build-up, and we were finding a lot of joy in the first minutes of the game, Uh, and uh, we were able to disrupt their pressure, and uh, I felt at some point, after the goal, we start not to be that good in certain moments, but the tactic worked. And then in the second half, we started the same because we felt we were playing good uh, in general offensively. You was used to need to be more proactive a little bit, uh, and then at the end, we obviously changed to a back four, tried to push for something, and especially when when we brought uh, Dom Dwyer and and and, um, Mascara. and, and Mascara. So we tried to go for a four 4 two, and, and that was the game.
1: Brooks Lennon made his a f- first appearance in almost two months after that unfortunate MCL injury he suffered in the pregame warm-ups at Toronto. I asked me how we thought Brooks performed.
2: Yeah, I felt he was uh, he was trying. He was trying to get uh, forward. I think he, at times you know, the distances and things like uh, a couple crosses, he could, could have done better. But overall, I, I love the, the aggressiveness he has in him. I like that pair of, of Brooks with... With, uh, with Luis, <laughs> so then when Luis comes inside and Brooks overlapping, I think that's gonna be, uh, um, be very, that's uh, gonna be very productive for us uh, in the future. So I think he still has to be a bit sharper in that, but, but overall good.
1: One of the benefits of me traveling uh, to cover the team at its games is I typically get to ask a couple of questions of Pineda and whomever the players they bring. Uh, that others don't get to listen to um and so these next two questions were of that nature i asked Pineda if former atlanta united player brandon vasquez deserves to be considered for the u.s men's national team and his answer is pretty interesting
2: well what about mexico i mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean at this point i think mexico probably needs more but uh, because he's in good form, but uh, I, I mean, the kid is just is just very good. I remember I had him in in an in a Olympic camp mm-hmm. with the U twenty three. And, and he wasn't playing that much. And I remember I came back to Seattle and said, hey, that kid looks good. I, I don't know why he's not playing that much. Obviously, Joseph Martinez yeah. is there. But but I felt that, that he had a lot of qualities in there. And then suddenly he started to have chances and, and yeah. he started to score goals. So kudos to him. He's doing very good. So hopefully he can get something because number nines is not easy. They are in good form. And before a World Cup, that, yeah. that can be something.
1: If you followed me, for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of Vasquez. I thought that he was a fantastic player when he got time for Atlanta United. Y'all will remember he pretty much carried the team through the U.S. Open Cup in 2019, which Atlanta United won against Minnesota at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He still leads Atlanta United in U.S. Open Cup goals with six. He's just—he's big, he's fast, he moves, and he works. It's—it's it's a powerful combination, and it's one. The U.S. doesn't have that type of player as a striker anywhere. I can't think. Maybe Pifak is the only one, but I would take Vasquez over him right now because he's in such good form. And then the last question, it was a a follow-up to a question asked by uh, Joe Patrick about Joseph Martinez. And the question I asked was, you know, his instinct used to be shoot, 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 shoot. Now his instinct seems to be to pass. And we saw that a couple of times. Last night against Cincinnati, he passed up what I thought was a, a really good shooting opportunity with his right foot uh, to play it off to someone. I can't remember who, but their shot was deflected out for a corner kick. And then instead of shooting, he passed to Gutman on that tying goal. Both times he had, I thought, a pretty good look to take a crack, and he didn't. And you saw that against Seattle a little bit, too. It's not a knock on Joseph. It's just it's uh, is is he perhaps— missing a bit of confidence.
2: Yeah, it's probably that. I mean, number nines are like that. I mean, we've seen many, many times something like that. Chicharito, the first year he had, you know, probably was a bit disappointed, disappointing and and at times it's just that confidence in the number nines. We've seen that. I mean Brandon Vasquez mm-hmm. one year ago wasn't scoring even a goal and, and now he's mm-hmm. scoring tons. I think number nines go like that. It's it's just patience and uh, look for those moments where he can score goals. Try to utilize him in the best way at times. What I like is Joseph is trying. He's trying. He you saw his reaction when he went on the field. He started to uh-huh. push his, the confidence of the teammates and that. And then he he had an assist. That uh-huh. works. That works at times. So if he's not that confident yet, one goal and that's going to change. I think
1: it's an interesting thing right now. Um, the team needs Joseph. I was surprised he didn't start against Cincinnati. Uh, But this is a game where they have, or a week where they have three games in eight days. So I could understand perhaps load management, why he didn't start. Um, It's been seven games since Martinez scored. He remains one goal away from reaching 100 in an MLS regular season and playoff games. I don't know if that's been weighing on his mind, but we'll we'll see what happens in these remaining 10 games. Uh, Then we spoke with uh, Andrew Gutman. And here he is talking about the
0: goal. Yeah, I think that just comes with with experience. You know, I think a couple of years ago, I probably would have rushed that shot. But just knowing that in the game, you have more time than you actually think. So body control and, and mind control kind of to Just slow down for a second, see the goalie, and then make your decision.
1: And I want to remind y'all, I wrote about Gutman scoring the 20,000th goal. I wrote another story about Brandon Vasquez. And I wrote another story about Joseph Martinez. They're all on AJC.com or on my Twitter at Doug Robertson, AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United news. Now Gutman, you'll remember played for Cincinnati two years ago. So he's been Vasquez's teammate and gone against him. Vasquez started on the right side of Atlanta United's defense and moved over to, I guess he liked the matchup against Gutman, So Gutman saw firsthand how tough he is to defend. Um, here's him talking about if Vasquez should be on the u.s. men's national team yeah Um, of course
0: yeah i mean i played with brandon in in cincinnati he always had talent he just it was like hit or miss you know he wasn't able to do it day in and day out and now look at him i think he has 15 goals like i think for sure he should get a chance whenever the next window is and if he does well then he should definitely go to the world cup
1: and then i asked him what makes vasquez so tough to defend
0: he's huge he's strong (laughs) he's big he's fast um you know, even last year when I was playing him, it was completely different. This year, his movement's, you know, way better. I was always I, – I could never really figure out where he was. Um, he's so much smarter, so much quicker, so much – he just looks fitter and he looks like a proper striker. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for him at this point.
1: Then we got to speak to Brooks Lennon. I asked him how it felt to be back.
0: Great.
3: Yeah, obviously it was a grind, um, you know, being – being out and you never want to, you know, be out injured. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of myself and the way that I worked, um, you know, with the, with the trainers, with the physios to be able to come back and, um, you know, feel as fit as I did today. So, um, great to be back with the team and obviously good to get a, um, you know, a tie Mm -hmm. away from home, especially coming back from, uh, from behind a goal. So, uh, very happy to be back.
1: I asked Brooks if one point is going to be good enough.
3: Obviously, I think we had chances tonight to to win the game. Um, And, you know, like Gonzalo said to us after the game is when you go on the road, you know, a point is the you know the minimal that you can get um and we did that tonight it was it was good you know coming back from behind like I said um you know down 2-1 to tie a 2-2 kind of late uh just shows that this team's willing to fight and, and get points um and you know you when you go on the road you can't lose it's especially this late on in the season um so you know the, the minimal that you can get is a tie
1: and I followed up with Brooks and asked him if Vasquez should be considered for the U.S. Men's national team
3: yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the season that he's had, um, you know, and, and being an MLS All-Star, I think he can be in contention. There's no reason why. Um, you know, he's he's yeah, he's continued to to score goals for, for his club team and uh, produce. So, yeah, I, I'm sure the national team has an eye on him.
1: All right, we're going to go to a break. And when we return, I'll answer a few of the questions y'all had. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, but we are also throwing in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com utdscarf. And at some point, I'm going to tweet out how this is written because there are so many typos in it. It makes me laugh every time I read it Um, just because. All right, on to the mailbag. Grant says, first, just a comment. For me, it has been up and down every year since 2018, and we have gone through so many changes and strange things. But 2022 has been really difficult because of the decline of Joseph. I'm new to soccer and became a fan just because of Atlanta United, and the fact that I live in Marietta. But I guess star players going up and down eventually dis- and eventually disappearing is something you just have to get used to. With Joseph, it's kind of difficult because there was so much focus on him for so long, murals around the city, build a statue, etc. So like so many things in life, I guess we are all feeling the grief. Last night was no exception in terms of seeing the decline. I was shocked that he tried to pass the ball when he was standing right in front on that one play. Do you think there is more to it still than just his physical decline? Is there still conflict between he and Pineda and Bocanegra perhaps? I have no idea if there's conflict, but it wouldn't result in what's happening right now. I think, it's as Pineda said, I think maybe Joseph just needs a boost of confidence from from scoring a goal or, or making a good play. I don't think he's injured again. I have wondered that, but I don't think he is. He. I've watched him walking and watched him running, and he doesn't appear to have a limp or appear to be favoring anything. I think he's just um, right now not reacting as quickly as he once did. And some of that can be traced back to confidence. He's got one year left on his contract, and then there's a second. There's an option year after that. So we'll see what happens in this offseason. I I still think he can come back and be a factor for Atlanta United this season and next. But it's got to start happening soon. Turning to the other striker. Ben says, tonight was another lackluster performance by Renato Cisneros. He makes runs, but his touch is poor, and he struggles against starting back lines. Tonight, he also seemed to be dropping a lot deeper, which Joseph has been given a lot of criticism for doing. Is this part of Pineda's tactics? If so, it is not working, and he needs to find a better way to utilize either player. I think sometimes Cisneros or Martinez or both just come back to try to be an outlet to relieve pressure, since that he was pressing pretty hard in the first half and the second half. Cisneros is plenty fast. I don't think he realized how fast Matt Miazga was. Matt Miazga was often tasked with tracking him on through balls, and Miazga won, I think, all but one. So sometimes you just come up against a player who's as good or better than you, and that was the case last night for Cisneros. Adam says, Well, that was entertaining, and it's hard to be disappointed with Atlanta's fight back. Three in a row without a loss feels like at least a step forward. What was prettier? Atlanta's first half offensive ball movement, Almada's goal, or Rios-Novo's save and stoppage time? I think they were all pretty good, and they all factored into the result. If you take one out, then the team doesn't win or it it loses. Um, The first half offensive ball movement was good. I, I don't know. It didn't appear that Cincinnati made any adjustments in the second half, but Atlanta couldn't replicate that success, which has been a problem all season, which I detail in a story that I just posted on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC about Atlanta United's plan to try to make the MLS playoffs. And then Adam continues, what was uglier? The Keystone Cops defending ahead of Cincy's goals, the Stripes defensive passing in the second half that forced Rios Novo to kick it out of bounds, or (laughs) Cincinnati goalkeepers... 80s new wave bass player hairstyle. I love 80s haircuts, So that one should be in what was prettier, not what was uglier. Yeah, you know, the defensive issues. Parata has played really well the past few games. Last night was a game he will not want to remember because of those two mistakes. And then our last is from Noah. There's a reason people make fun of MLS. And a prime example of this is Atlanta's inconsistent and horrible attack. How is it still this bad? I don't know, Noah. I really, really don't. It seems like for small stretches, they can get everybody to play as a team. And then somebody will decide, well, I'm going to try to win this game all by myself. You saw that Luis Arrujo had a few minutes of that type of play in the second half. He took a long-range shot when he had two runners to his right. He could have passed too. And then he tried to dribble through four or five guys and lost it. Every player in Atlanta United's attack will have those moments, not just Arahujo. And then Noah continues, Joseph literally passed the ball to an invisible teammate. Please tell me you saw that. I did. Noah says he's had enough of this guy. I think he expected a runner down the right, and that's why he made that pass, and no run was made. I'm not going to fault him for that. He was trying to do the right thing, and his teammate didn't help him out. Um, So we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Atlanta United will play again, hosting Red Bulls on Wednesday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I will be there. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones, and y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nigat, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
3: I'm Ernie Suggs,
1: race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, mm-hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. We wanna hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal Constitution.